The story takes place about two weeks ago, but I'll start back to a year ago when I joined Reddit to give a little background. I created a Reddit about a year ago and was new to the whole scene. Due to this, I didn't think anything about including my first name in my username. Now, more of a veteran on Reddit, I realized this was a mistake. I never made a new Reddit because I already was so deep on here that starting over sounded miserable until this event. About two weeks ago, I woke up to a new chat request on Reddit. I clicked on it, wondering who was trying to message me since I had not posted in a few days. Upon clicking on it, I read a message saying, Are you John Smith, who was a clerical staffer at Chase Bank in Seattle? Name city, position, and company changed for discretion. My heart sank as I read it because they had gotten my full name and city correct. Thankfully, they had found someone else within the city that had a different career than I did, and they did not actually find me. But I wonder what would happen if they really did. Surely they could find my address online with just a few clicks on their phone. I'm not sure how they figured out my city or my last name, but it was enough for me to start a new Reddit. Not exactly the scariest, but just enough to make me watch my back extra carefully. I'm a 23-year-old female, and this happened to me when I was in secondary school, probably around 15 or 16. One of my friends said she had a friend who had seen my pictures and wanted to speak to me. I said okay. Being an insecure mid-teen female, any attention was welcome in my mind. We started talking on Twitter, and we got on pretty well. I asked if he had a Facebook, and they said no because some security issue within the family. I didn't think anything of it, and carried on chatting with him. He said he had multiple siblings, around 5 or 6 if I remember correctly, and his brother was chatting away to a couple of my friends. We were all quite excited as they were new people and not just the regular guys at school. I would stay over at my friend's house and he would send us voice notes, which I later found out were from YouTube clips from some random guy's channel. There was another time that my friend and I were in a local town together with one of the girls that his brother was speaking to and they were messaging saying that they could see us. We didn't see them obviously and after that we started to talk about how weird it all was. Where did they come from? She never mentioned them before they sent the photos. It was just all very odd. We told other girls who were speaking to them and they agreed how weird it was. We started to ignore the messages and carry on with our lives. After a couple weeks, my friend who had introduced us started acting really upset and worried. She said their whole family had been in a car accident and a pretty bad one. Obviously, we were a bit worried and believed her because of how distraught she was. She even took time out of class and I would go to comfort her. While I was with her, I was messaging the guy to try to get details since she wasn't giving us any. She was on her phone next to me frantically texting and as soon as she was done with her message, I would get a ping on my phone and again and again. It finally clicked in my head, but I couldn't believe it. I told my other friends and they were all as shocked as me, but none of us have spoken to her in years. Our supposed friend catfished a number of us, flirting with us, making us feel special. She came up with elaborate stories as to why they didn't have any other socials, how she knew them, and how they almost died to try to get out of her lies. We all kind of forgot about it, 
but I think about it sometimes and it seriously gives me the creeps. I just can't think of an explanation for it. It's so weird to me. And to catfish your friends? That's just so fucked up. So I was selling a dress on Facebook that I no longer planned to wear. A man answered. According to his profile, he was about 35 to 40 years old. He asked me about the size and said that he wanted to buy it for his wife for her birthday. Everything seemed normal. I gave him my address to come pick up the dress. When he appeared at my front door, he pushes me inside and closes the door behind him. I thought, what the hell? Is he going to rob me? But he was planning something worse. You're more beautiful than in the picture. My blood immediately froze. I started screaming, panicking, threatening him to leave immediately or I'd call the police. And I was so lucky that my neighbor next to me was on the terrace and heard everything and immediately came to my rescue. The guy quickly ran away and later I got a message to apologize because he thought I was a whore. I didn't believe his apology, but since then I've never sold anything on the internet, let alone sent someone my address. My brother and his wife sell a lot of stuff on Facebook and she's the one that handles most of the transactions. This one time they sold some furniture and set up a pickup point for the buyer because they didn't want to give up their home address to a complete stranger. I helped my brother load up his truck and rode with him to make the delivery in the parking lot. So obviously the buyer thought that my brother's wife would be the one to do it alone. He kept saying that he would be there anytime and asked several times which vehicle she was driving. Then after a while, no cars were entering the parking lot and he said he had just arrived. We started driving around the small parking lot and spotted this old car with tinted windows on the far end and there was someone inside. That car had already been there when we arrived. We kept driving and the car immediately drove away like it was being chased. After that, the buyer stopped responding. He obviously thought a woman would be delivering it by herself. If you sell or buy anything on Facebook, never give your home address and never make a delivery by yourself. Only God knows what would have happened if she would have made that delivery all by herself. The following took place just after I turned 18. I work at a mall, so I encounter plenty of people every day. This particular encounter took place four years ago. I opened the store and began my daily tasks, such as reading and responding to emails and changing the signs to match the deals that were going on that day. It was a quick shift because it was only a part-time job. I clocked in and four hours later I clocked out and went to my college classes. Nothing particularly strange happened that day that stood out to me, just the usual helping customers find items that they're looking for and ringing them up. It wasn't until a few days later when I was sitting at a restaurant with my boyfriend and my phone was buzzing like crazy. The girls in my work group chat were going nuts over a screenshot of a man's post on Craigslist. When I opened the image, the man was describing his encounter with me in the store in the missed connections on Craigslist. Apparently, I had helped him find items for his daughter, rung him up, and he left without any crazy alarms going off in my head. As I sat in the restaurant with my boyfriend, thinking back to my shift a few days prior, I thought back to a couple of the men that it could have been that day. For the next couple weeks, I watched my back at work. 
I made sure I carefully examined each person, especially men. This was my first job and because I was 18, I didn't have a lot of experience with people constantly checking me out on the innocent end of the spectrum or stalking me on the more extreme end. This whole experience still has me looking over my shoulder, not for that same man, but for any other person that may slip under my radar and go unnoticed as a total creep. I no longer wear a name badge and my coworkers know not to give up my schedule. Just kinda makes you think. Three years ago, I tried Tinder for the first time. I was 25 at the time, and while most 25-year-old women have dabbled on Tinder or the like, I hadn't been single since I was 17. I met my ex while I was still in high school. Six years later, we got married. Had a baby, I was happy. But those last couple of years together, he had really begun to resent me and the family we had created together. I fought to keep our relationship together, but the abuse became more frequent and more intense. It got to the point where I took our baby and fled the house in the middle of the night. My mind was scarred, and my heart was raw. It was a really difficult time in my life. A couple of months after I left, I had a new home, a new job, and a renewed sense of life. I was starting to open up and could feel myself healing. I was, however, lonely. I was adjusting to shared custody and spent my weekends alone. I didn't want to jump into a relationship, but I did want to experience some of the things my eight-year relationship hadn't allowed me to. Joining Tinder felt fun. It was new and scary, and after so much drama, it felt nice to have so much positive attention. My self-worth was low, so the cheap compliments and instant gratification of the app felt incredible. Who am I to deserve their attention? Why would they choose to speak to me of all women? Not my healthiest coping mechanism, but I wanted to feel desirable. That's when I met Derek. Derek was an unassuming, average guy. He was cute enough, but not so attractive that I felt self-conscious. Derek and I shared a few interests, craft beer, hiking, and he had a sense of humor that I liked. We agreed to meet up at a local restaurant. I was so nervous. My first date in eight years. I donned my cutest dress, got made up, and headed out. As I waited in the restaurant, my palms were sweaty, my heart was fluttering, and I began to question myself. He arrived and everything was awkward at first. We ordered our first beers and started to break the ice. As soon as the buzz of the alcohol began to hit, our conversation took off. We had relaxed in each other's company, and the rest of the date went smoothly. We joked about karaoke across town. He laughed about how he didn't like karaoke. I am a huge fan of it. While no superstar, I have spent a good amount of time in choirs and can carry a tune well enough. One of my favorite rowdy weekend activities is going to that bar and busting out some songs with a sweet taste of gin on my tongue. 
I convinced him to go with me, and we left the restaurant. We sang into the night, taking shots, flirting, laughing. We ended the night in his truck, clumsily fumbling with each other's buttons and zippers, hearts racing with excitement. This had been what I needed. We texted back and forth more often, and soon, we were talking about another date. I had enjoyed our time together, and liked that I didn't feel a deep connection with him. It was fun, but that was it. Because my heart wasn't tangled up in feelings, he felt safe. We decided for our second date that we would go tubing down a river that runs through our town. We had parked his orange truck at the end of the tubing run and took the tubes in my truck upriver. We agreed that he would zip my truck key within his pocket into his shorts and that he would drop me off at my truck afterwards. Bright summer heat warmed our skin and the water felt crisp and fresh on our toes. The afternoon slipped past as we floated down the river. When we reached the bottom, we deflated our tubes and headed back to my truck. Only, when Derek reached into his pocket, his face sank. He looked at me and said, uh, Your key is gone. I laughed. Surely he was joking. He insisted this wasn't a joke. Gravity pulled at my stomach and I began to panic. This was the only copy of my truck key, and I had taken it on the river. I felt foolish and worried about how I would get a new key if we couldn't find it. The river was long. We had been tubing for hours. We'd stopped at several places to swim. He offered to drive me home and I accepted. During the drive, we made a plan to meet up the next day to search for my key at some of the stops we had made. We spent the next afternoon combing our swimming holes for my key. Up and down we swam, with very little hope that we would ever see my keys. We had to try, though, and we kept at it. From one spot to another we drove, we swam, and we moved on. At the very last place we checked, as the light of afternoon faded into a hazy orange, something caught his eye. Underwater near the shore were my keys. We were elated and could not believe our luck. To celebrate, we went back to his place for some drinks. He drove me down a long wooded driveway, and at the very end was a shaded trailer. He told me that he was only renting a room here from an elderly couple, but they were on vacation so we would be alone. We walked over the creaking porch and entered the trailer. Inside, I could see the kitchen was messy. Not just a couple of dishes, but every surface was covered with mess. He ushered me away to show me his room. It was small and not very clean either. Dirty clothes, mattress on the floor, a rubbermaid bin with some snacks like Doritos and cheap warm beer. We had sex, the yellow light of the trailer accentuating the stains on the walls. Afterwards, the spark of fun I had felt when we first met had withered, and I felt gross. I decided that it would be our last date. A week passed, and we hardly texted. 
Our brief fling was ending and I didn't expect to see him again. My mind moved on to other things. The coming weekend, my friends were coming to town and I was excited. We made plans to go to karaoke together on Saturday night. When the day arrived, I was surprised to see a text from Derek on my phone. Are you going to karaoke tonight? It read. I responded that I was, and he texted back that he would be there. I thought you didn't like karaoke, I asked him, and he said that he had been invited by a girl he worked with and thought he should give me a heads up that he would be with a date in case I was there. I thanked him for taking the time to let me know, reassured him that I wouldn't be bothered at all, and said that I hoped he had a great date. Around 9.30 that night, my friends and I arrived at the bar. The dim lights and reflective foil stars an all too familiar scene. We got our drinks and picked a booth with a good view of the stage. I had a strange sensation, like someone was watching me. I turned my head, scanning the bar, and our eyes locked. Derek and his date were a few booths away and he was watching us. He waved zealously with a big smile. His date turned around to look, and I managed an awkward wave. I was absolutely fine with him being on a date, but I didn't want to advertise that we knew each other or make his date uncomfortable. My friends were all well aware of the time we had spent together, my thoughts on the experience, and the texts he had sent me earlier. We were all thinking it was a bit odd that he would go out of his way to interact with me in front of his date. But no harm, no foul. He was just being friendly. The evening carried on, and we all had a great time. Basking in the atmosphere, drinking in the songs and laughter. A couple of hours in, we were sitting in our booth, when Derek stumbled over to our table with his date. He introduced her as Kate and plopped down beside me, pulling her down into our booth next to him. The strong smell of alcohol oozed off of them, and I could see they were hammered. It became obvious they had both had too much to drink. Their eyes were glazed and words were slurred. Kate seemed really nice despite her state, and she launched into a drunken story to the whole table. My friends and I were fairly uncomfortable and were unsure of what was going on. Under the table, I felt Derek's sticky hand slide onto my thigh. His date was right there and I was stunned. Without making a scene, I suddenly removed his hand and excused myself to get another drink. As I walked across the room, I could feel his eyes raking my back, and sure enough, when I turned around, he was watching. When I got back, Kate was slurring that her taxi had come. She and Derek exchanged a sloppy kiss and good nights, and then it was just us and Derek. Derek's mood shifted after that. He was drunkenly unaware of how uncomfortable the table was, and we could tell he was brooding about his date having left without him. Derek turned his attention to me. He slung his heavy arm over my shoulder and leaned in, 
his sour breath managing to come together to form clumsy sentences. You're so cute. I love your laugh. I was rigid and just wanted him to leave. When he got up to get another beer, my friends and I spoke about the situation, one of them remarking, You know you can do better than this, right? I said that yes, as casual as this had been, I had made a mistake. We came to the conclusion it would be best if we ended the night early, as we didn't see him leaving me alone. As a backup plan, if anything went south, we agreed that the girls would go to the bathroom and leave out the back door, while our male friend would distract him and slip away. Derek arrived back at the table, sloshing his beer onto his front. He slurred, Where are we going next? I hesitated, but my friend told him that we would all be going home. Derek said he would walk us there, and we politely declined. He was leaning up against a wall and barely holding himself up at this point. We asked him how he was going to get home, and if we could call him a cab. Derek drunkenly pouted that he could just come to my place with me. Trying to shut him down as politely as I could, I told him that my child was there with a sitter, so I couldn't have him over. He didn't need to know that wasn't true. He refused a taxi and said he would just sleep in his truck. Since his eyelids were drooping and looking at the rest of his state, it seemed reasonable that he would be able to fall asleep in a truck, and we accepted that answer. As we started to leave, he fumbled after us. We stopped and reminded him that we were going to bed. He argued again that he should come with me. My friends and I locked eyes. It was time to engage with our backup plan. The two girls and I excused ourselves to the washroom while our friend distracted him. Slipping out the back door, the cool rush of night air hit us, and we hurried to the path that led to their hotel. Our friend caught up to us and said he had left Derek behind at the bar. We were all relieved to be out of there and started to walk back to their hotel. One of the girls was sober and offered to drive me home when we got to the hotel, and I accepted. A few minutes down the path, my phone begins to ring. I looked at the caller ID and felt my stomach drop. It was Derek. I turned the volume down and let it ring, and to my surprise, he left a voicemail. I turned on the speaker and played it out loud. Derek's voice sounded confused as his words melted together into the phone. Where are you guys? I thought we were going to hang out. I don't understand. We were all glad we had left and agreed that this had been wild. That's when the phone rang again. Another voicemail popped up on my screen. In the dim light of the trail... I played the new voicemail aloud once more. His drunken speech was more intense this time. As he launched into how he didn't understand why I had left, I had hurt his feelings, and he was in love with me. The tone of his voice shook me when I heard him say, I love you. There was something dark and heavy about it that left me feeling unsettled. 
we were all creeped out, but happy to see the bright sign of the hotel ahead. We traveled the carpeted hallway to the room, so my friend could grab her keys to take me home. As we entered the room, my phone began to ring again. This time, the voicemail sent shockwaves of fear throughout my body. Derek's voice had taken on an edge, as he repeated that he loved me, but he was actually really fucking mad at me for leaving him at the bar. He went on about how could I do that to him. He didn't know what he was going to do. His voice shook with anger, as he stumbled over himself expressing how I had betrayed him. The last thing he said before hanging up echoed in the hotel room. You know, I'm really starting to fucking hate you. This guy was unhinged and I was terrified. I was grateful this side of Derek hadn't shown up when we were alone in his secluded trailer. My friends gave me a hug and told me to call them if I needed anything and to keep them updated. My friend took me home and as I unlocked the door and stepped into the comfort of my home, I felt exhausted. It had not been the night out I expected, and Derek's erratic behavior had really freaked me out. Fresh out of an abusive relationship, his actions at the bar, then the voicemails rang some all-too-familiar bells. That's when I saw the headlights. It was very late for anyone to be driving down my street, I peeked through the curtain. My blood ran cold and I trembled. Sitting in the cab of his orange truck was Derek. Mind racing, I panicked. This dude could barely hold himself up when he left. He was blackout obliterated. How did he drive across town to my house? How did he find me? I immediately remembered the other week when he dropped me off after my keys were lost. How could I have been so stupid? I barely knew him. We'd only met three times. Derek's face was stony and etched with rage. As he sat in the dark cab staring at my house, he wasn't getting out. He was just staring. While I was on my hands and knees peeking out of the window, all the lights were off inside. I was sure he couldn't see me. Then the screen on my phone lit up. He was calling me again. I quickly hid it so he wouldn't see the light. Hands shaking, I played the voicemail as quietly as I could. Derek only said one thing this time, a phrase that sent terror shooting down my spine. In a drunken sing-song voice, almost taunting me, he quietly said, Where are you? Click. I was terrified. Somehow I hadn't really considered I could be in danger, and chalked up all of the fear to my past experiences. Surely I was overreacting, and it was my fault for reading too much into this. I shouldn't be this scared and I don't want to make a scene. That last voicemail sealed the deal. I figured even if I was overreacting, at the very least he was a drunk driver. I called 911 and the dispatcher said someone would be there in a couple of minutes. As I peeked out of the window, I saw him get out of his truck. He was done waiting. His heavy feet stumbled as they hit the pavement, and he looked around. 
Derek's voice cut through the night. He started yelling my name. The wild anger in his voice was tangible through the walls. And he just yelled into the street, Where are you? Derek started to stumble towards my house. When the flashing red and blue lights cascaded down the street, lighting up his face and highlighting every ounce of rage carved into his features. Two police cars pulled up, and the officers got out. I was still peeking out from inside my dark house, and couldn't hear much of what was happening. I watched them breathalyze him, which he obviously failed. The officers inspected his truck. They all spoke for a while, and one of the officers came to my door. I spoke to him about what had happened, and he was very empathetic. He said as unsettling as his actions had been, there wasn't much they could do without a direct threat. The officer let me know that they would be taking him in for the night, and he would be charged with drunk driving, but that he would be out tomorrow, and to make sure I kept my doors locked and stayed safe. The tow truck came to remove his orange truck from the road, and I could see him arguing. The officers weren't having any of it, and they turned him around to cuff him. As the handcuffs locked around his wrist, he yelled out one last time, looking directly at the window I was peeking out of. I know you're in there, my name. Why don't you come out to say goodnight? As quickly as my street filled up, it was empty, the quiet shadows of late nights swallowing the earlier chaos into nothingness. Derek texted me the next afternoon. I'm very sorry about last night. I was in a bad place. I responded that his actions were unacceptable, and how dare he show up at the house my child lives at, and that I would prefer not to hear from him again. He apologized one last time, and I haven't heard from him since. Over the next few months, I would see him on a bike going to and from his workplace, so I know he lost his license. I was always wary that we would bump into each other, which thankfully never happened. I can only imagine how much angrier he was that night after I lost him his license. I found out that he moved to the mainland a while back, which was quite a relief for me, and I no longer feel as on edge around town. So, Derek, let's never meet again. This is a shorter story, but I think it fits here. I had just turned 18 at the time, and after getting out of a shitty high school romance, I figured I'd give Tinder a try. I didn't really plan on going on any dates, I just wanted to talk to new people, and then maybe someone would pique my interest. Let me set the scene. It's my senior ball, I'm all glammed up, in my vintage dress, and having a pretty good time, despite not having a date. The night was calming down, so I was sitting on my phone while a slow song played. I opened my Tinder to see if I had any new matches, and I did. A guy who was decently attractive, and only a year older than me, asked if I wanted to go on a date. I declined, but he seemed pretty insistent. To be fair, it wasn't a very harsh no, because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. He then proceeds to spam me with different date ideas. I tried to ignore it and just go back to my friends. 
I checked my phone maybe 15 minutes later and he had sent me pictures of an empty school parking lot that was maybe two blocks away from the reception hall I was at. He was asking me to meet him there and said that he would bring drinks and we could get drunk together. I told him no. He asked if Walmart would be better. I proceeded to block him and didn't pick up the app for a little while after. This was a while ago so my memory of that night is a bit spotty so I probably missed some details that would make this a little creepier. So it's 2011 and I'm newly divorced. I'm in my mid-twenties and a single mother. I decide to try out some online dating sites. I start talking with this guy on one of the sites. We seem to have a lot in common and he seems pretty normal. I decide to give him my phone number. We continue chatting via text and phone calls. Well, I suggest to go get some coffee and meet up. He states he doesn't drink coffee. Okay. I suggest we have drinks at the bar. He says he doesn't drink alcohol. Then he has a great idea. Let's go for a hike. I reluctantly agree. This was the first red flag. He wants to go to this place called Batstu in South Jersey, which is a historic village with old abandoned buildings, hiking trails, and the home of the New Jersey Devil. Great place for a first date. So I suggest we meet up at the main parking lot. And he has a better idea. He says let's meet at the train station nearby and he'll drive us over because he knows another entrance with better hiking trails. Second red flag. I, again, reluctantly agree, not wanting to be rude. So the day of the date comes and for whatever dumb reason, I didn't tell anyone I was doing this. I think because I was embarrassed for using a dating site. And I knew somewhere in the back of my mind my friends would have tried to talk me out of it. So I pull up to the train station and he's in a late 90s Bronco. Okay, not so bad. We can't all afford newer cars. He gets out and he's actually the guy from the pictures. Okay, initial sigh of relief. We get in the car and he starts to head to the secret hiking trail entrance. We have a nice conversation on the way there. All seems good. We get there, and as soon as we get out of the car, I go to grab my phone. He says, no, just leave it here. I have mine. Red flag, waving in my fucking face. Again, being polite and not wanting to argue, I comply. I see the entrances, and one directs you towards a village and humanity, so I naturally suggest that one. He says no, and points to the other trail that goes God knows where. I again, being the good girl I am, say, okay. Right before we set off, a bit of rebellion sets in. You know, I should really have my phone with me. He starts to argue, and I'm like, no, I need it in case the babysitter calls about my son. He gives in and unlocks his car, and I grab my phone. We set off down the trail, side by side. We are talking, and everything seems okay. I start thinking, I was overreacting before. All is good. We get to the part of the trail where you can only go one by one. So I say, you go first and I'll follow. He says, oh no, you go. So in case you trip or anything, I can grab you. I do that nervous giggle thing and politely decline saying how bad I am at following paths. He 
He insists I go first, in a stern voice. Red flags with sirens. But I simply comply. The trail is getting narrower by the second, and the woods are getting darker because of the amount of trees and brush. We are no longer talking, and the only sounds are the crunching of our footsteps. Panic starts setting in. I look back at him, and he's just got a scowl on his face and a dead look in his eyes. I try to smile at him, but nothing. So I stop and say, let's turn back. I like it better when we could walk next to each other and talk, still being polite. He says he wants to keep going this way. So I say, no really, I want to go back the other way. And I start to do just that. As I walk past, he grabs my arm and blocks my path. I don't say anything and just casually grab my phone out of my pocket. He lets me go, saying, fucking whatever, and we walk back towards the car in silence, me with my phone in my hand the whole time. Amazingly, I did have a signal. As we reach the clearing where the cars are parked, he looks at his watch and states he has to go now. He has somewhere he needs to be. We were only on the date for less than an hour, but okay, I'm not complaining. For whatever dumb reason, I get back in his car. We drive in almost silence the entire way back to my car. Me with a death grip on my phone and him looking miserable. He drops me off at my car and speeds away. I never heard from him again. Me being naive, I want to believe that there was no chemistry between us. But let's be honest, when I decided to fuck politeness and grab my phone that day, I spoiled his dastardly plans. This happened to me my freshman year of college. Tinder was new, and everyone at my university was on that app. I joined to see what all the fuss was about. Looking through profiles, I found a few guys that were really interesting. This one guy in particular caught my eye. We will call him Walter. I swipe right on Walter, and we match. I was excited and kind of giddy because he was super attractive. He messages me and I get butterflies in my stomach. We message on the app for maybe an hour. Typical conversation is happening. I ask him what he does for a living, and he asked me what my major was. Harmless conversation. After a while, he asked me for my number so we could text instead of messaging on the app. I gave it to him. He seemed nice enough. We messaged back and forth for a few days. Lots of flirty conversations and plans to hang out finally occurred. By the fourth day of our conversation, he started calling me babe, which gave me mixed feelings. It was cute, but also a little weird. We didn't really know each other and had never met. I ignored it and continued on with the conversations. He started saying he wanted to be exclusive and he really wanted to see me in person. He was begging me at this point to come to his apartment to cuddle and watch movies with him and his dog. I told him that our first date needed to be in public and I would not be going to some stranger's apartment. He said I was overreacting and kept begging. I decided to ignore him for the rest of that night. The next day he apologized and said he understood why we needed to meet in public. So we made plans that weekend. 
The weekend came faster than I expected, and it was the day we were supposed to meet. Something just fell off, and I decided to back out. I texted him apologizing, saying my mom wasn't feeling well and needed me to come home to help her with some house chores. This made him annoyed, and he said, Your mom is a big girl. If she needs you, she can just call you. Just come over, and you can leave whenever to go help her. I really want to see and kiss you. I told him no, that I would be staying with my mom that weekend, and that was that. I only lived about 30 minutes from home, so I actually do go home to see my mom that day. After what he said about my mom, I started ignoring him, and the text started rolling in. Text after text. Babe, I'm sorry. Please come over. Babe, I miss you. Are you going to come over? I planned on replying the next day that I was just busy with my mom. Then he started calling me. I had a total of 45 missed phone calls within a two hour period. He left voicemail saying that he was sorry and that he just missed me and wanted me to call him back. Similar voicemails continued almost the entire time I was home. My roommate texted me shortly after I finished dinner with my mom and asked if we could go out that night. I agreed and went back to my university dorm. Suddenly, the calls from Walter started increasing again. More texts, voicemails, and he started messaging me again on Tinder, asking me why I wasn't replying to him. I wasn't planning on replying until I got a message on Instagram that said, Why didn't you tell me you were coming back to town tonight? Getting this message really freaked me out. I replied to him and said, Sorry. I've been busy with my mom. How did you know I was back in town? He said, Well, I checked your Tinder, of course. Tinder doesn't show exact locations, but has a within one mile message. This really freaked me out, and I messaged him back saying that he was being real creepy. He seriously had to be constantly refreshing my profile to see the distance change. The messages, calls, and voicemails continued. All were him apologizing for making me feel weird about him knowing where I was. He was just worried about me. We had been texting for less than a full week. I told my roommate about it, and so we decided to stay in for the night. The last straw for me was getting a message saying, Look, I'm really sorry. I'm outside your dorm with flowers and chocolate. Please forgive me. Oh hell no. I called the campus security and told them about this guy, but they never found anyone waiting outside my doors. I'm assuming he was in his car waiting for me to reply. I blocked him on all my socials, phone number, deleted Tinder, and haven't been back on since. I have seen him once, out and about in town, but he didn't recognize me, thankfully. Walter, if you read this, I'm glad we never met. Thanks for making me second guess every single guy I find attractive. So I'm not sure how many people know what FetLife is, but basically it's a fetish BDSM social media site. Facebook for those into kink, basically. It was used a lot for hookups, dating, but I was primarily into it to read some short erotica that were posted in forums sometimes and finding more like-minded friends. But I did eventually branch out and meet some people off of there. 
Most of them were really cool. Others, not so much. They were just kind of boring. All in all, it was pretty okay. But after talking to this one guy and meeting up with him only once, I got really bad vibes and decided not to go any further. He just creeped me out for some reason. He was not ready to give up. Things went quiet for a while and then two weeks later I kept getting harassing messages from blank accounts that I'm assuming were his as they all had different variations of the same screen name but words and letters arranged in a different order. They were pretty harmless things like Why don't you love me? I thought we had something special. Hello? Please talk to me. Things of that nature. Annoying but not dangerous. Well, one day he shows up to my work. Now I did work at a McDonald's, so it isn't that weird. And luckily I work in the back at the drive-thru. I only really saw him out of the corner of my eye when I went up to the front to grab cups. And I don't think he recognized me. I had shaved my head. It was trendy at the time. And when I met him, I had a wig on. I never told him that I had shaved my head either. But as I was walking back, he called out my name. I rushed into the back and told my manager, and he got asked to leave. I didn't see or hear from him for two weeks afterwards. I get another message from a totally new unnamed account, but this one was much more sinister, and I knew it was him. It had to be. When he found out I was dating someone new, he got angry and threatened to expose me. I didn't work at McDonald's so he didn't know where I worked anymore, but he knew where I went to school, the names of my mother and sister, and knew where they worked. He knows what shops I shop at, which friends I hang out with the most. He didn't know her name, but he gave me a really detailed description of how she looked, and he says that he knows where I live. Luckily nothing happened and I moved soon after and never heard from him again. But needless to say, I was very spooked out and it scared me away from online dating for good. I made a police report, so maybe that scared him away. 